0: Love Talk Radio Hey, this is Luxury Healing, baby Luxury <laughs> really Healing means that we mind the business that pays, right? I'm not going to be out here spending a bunch of money on things that are just going to make me sad and I'm going to have fires or more. I'm going to spend the money on things that make me feel good, people that, you know, make me feel good, and going places that make me feel good, and, and things that resonate. Living is a luxury. When we're talking about luxury healing, some of us didn't even make it to hear this show. So I think that we all need to be cognizant of the fact that just to be living is a luxury. So when we talk about luxury healing, it's not always gonna be cute. It's not always gonna be free. Healing costs money. You think jail don't cost money? And when you're in an unhealed state and you go to jail, that costs money. You know, when you're in an unhealed space and you're doing things, you know, to your kids or you're you're not paying your child support, you're not paying your dues in the community, those things in the end will cost you money. That's a luxury that a lot of us don't have. I am here It's your girl D. Scott And it is Sunday, March 22nd, 2020 And I didn't do Tell the True Tuesday show, which for those of you that are new tuning in because we have so much time on our hands right now, Tell the True Tuesday really is about mental health, uh, me checking in for mine, you checking in for yours, and just trying to find some type of normalcy in those of us that are dealing with diagnosis or mental health conditions. So church was started so that we, those of us that have given up traditional institutions of religion, But didn't give up faith Had a place where we could tune in And learn how You know Someone else Started their spiritual journey Because it's not always A life or death situation That leads us To various deities Gods Whatever Okay Um, Obviously this is a no judgment zone I try not to cuss But sometimes it slides out But The show today um, Is about Fear as a frequency And faith as a currency And I thought it important to bring that up because I saw a lot of posts before this even happened, Um, the coronavirus and the shutting down of the jobs and everything. I saw a lot of posts about people saying that their jobs didn't care about them and why are we still at work and this particular uh, business doesn't care about us. And I said, no, your business cares. It's just that when you guys put these types of things into the universe, you know, what What do you want your boss to do? Do you want your boss to pay you, or do you, you, you know, you have to make a decision. I make a decision every single day to go into facilities that still allow smoking. We make decisions to go into facilities where we know there's, you know, gambling, prostitution, you know, cigarette smoke, uh, you know, drugs. You know, these are the decisions that we make to make the money that we make sometimes. So, you know, I'm just talking clubs. I'm talking anything, right? So when I see certain people that are, oh, our job doesn't care about us, no, your job is trying to sustain. So this is last week before the probable shutdowns. Now, if you would have told me, and in fact I specifically said that my job was was not so much, it was recession-proof, but it's not war-proof. I don't know if you guys understand this. We are not in virus times. This is war time, right? You know, so when you see people that are, Subsequently out of work For longer than two weeks And even the two weeks You know a hit dog will holler right So you didn't see and I hate to say it You know I might sound ridiculous But a lot of black people Were not as worried Because we've been broke before We know what it's like to have to say Okay I got the scale back You know I might got to open the oven up To get a little heat You know um, My paranoias I go way, way deeper than that, you know. Um, I've been getting money since I was probably 12, 13 years old. I've consistently had two jobs because since I'm 12 and 13 years old, I've watched the economies go through things. I talk about this in my books, Daniel Lane, A Diary of a Hot Mess, available on Amazon and Kindle, where I watched my father come home from this good job at Carborundum, you know, making what, you know, we thought was good money at the time. We lived on Grand Island. You know, we had land. We had, you know, a great home. My mom didn't work. We grew our own fruits and vegetables. We had Rottweilers. You know, we bred them. And my dad just came home one time and he was laid off. I talk about growing up in that time where I watched four and five course meals turn into just whatever was on your plate, you ate it. And so I think, that that's what shaped the way, and that's back in the 80s, you know. So I think that that's when the the steel mills closed in Pittsburgh. That's why the Pittsburgh water and the, you know, the Monongahela and the Three Rivers is is the color, I used to say, of chocolate milk. You know, my grandmother's house, my grandma Audrey May's house overlooked these rivers. And so I think that financially – someone being quote-unquote laid off. And I remember hearing the words when I was a kid, just being like, what does that mean? And we got very, very poor. And that's what actually subsequently brought us back to Niagara Falls, which was cheaper than Grand Island, which a lot of people don't know what that is. That's It's almost like living in New York and then someone living in the Long Island Sound. They live they live out on the water. You know, that's that's where we lived. So I went from what I thought was a very privileged background to – you know, being poor, but I didn't even know. I did not know that we were piss poor and broke until I got to my freshman year at Pace University. And, I, again, I talk about this in the book, about financial being financially healthy and waking up all, you know, my roommates and everyone on my, my dorm hall. Hey, get up. We have to go to the registrar. We have to, you know, go and sign up for our financial aid and sign the papers with, for the second portion because you had to get up on a certain day. And you had to wait in line all day. And I remember... My friend, Alicia, I'll never forget this, as long as I live, um, she was Jewish. Not that it means anything, but it does, since we like to put, you know, negative connotations on things. And, and, you know, growing up in summers in Pittsburgh, you know, I grew up around a lot of Jews, right? Never seen any of the flashy stuff. It all came from our people, right? And um, kind of find out those were the brokest ones. So I go to school with this girl named Alicia, and uh, I remember she was from Jersey, which means that – and we don't understand it now because I have a kid that's getting ready to go to college. So you don't understand that. I chose to go to a private institution, Pace University, at a time when I could have went to a state school and paid $5.50. I chose to go somewhere that had to be $22,000 a year paid. So if you all hear that, that's my cat. She's in heat, and I don't want to – Hey, no, no, it's enough. Anyways, so I'm a mama cat. I'm sorry y'all had to go through that, but this is my real life, and I allow them to wander around here. That's right. Go sit down. Sit. Really, she just wants love like the rest of us. So back to the story. So we get up, and we end up all getting ready to go, and I remember her saying, well, I don't have to go because my dad paid for school already, and I'm thinking, what the hell is she talking about? School's like 22,000 a year, 11 a semester. Mm. And she rolls back over and she says, yeah, my dad already paid it And at that point is when I realized I was poor as hell Um, I was very embarrassed because I was like, oh my god My mom was barely able to make the financial contribution for the school You know what I mean? To be able to pay for me to even go I think her financial contribution was like $1,200 because that's all she made you know, to be able to contribute, and she couldn't contribute that. She drove me up there. I went and stayed at my Uncle Scotty's with my Aunt Joyce and them and was able to be okay. So after that happened, we ended up, Um, I ended up saying to myself that I didn't want to ever have children unless I could afford them. And then in addition to being able to afford them, one of the litmus tests of my wealth would be, Am I going to be able to pay for my child, son or daughter, to go to college out of pocket? And I said, so I don't care what I have to do. And then I was very fortunate that my undergrad was paid for. Um, my grad school was not. Um, so I'm thankful, you know, for that because I've been a pimp for a long time as well. <laughs> um, but um, so while a lot of other girls were concerned with A car or you know The latest this and the latest that And I had all that Um, I just wanted you to pay for my school I didn't want I I just I I realized That money was Wealth is quiet money is loud So I lived my whole life Thinking that At some point everyone was Going to go into a recession So I end up finishing School for uh Neuroscience and Psych in Pittsburgh, which I remember my mom calling me um, on September 11th, and she said, oh, you know, take a look, look on the news. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, look on the news. And you see the second Twin Tower being, you know, um, ran through with a plane. So what ends up happening is after that, and you know that Flight 93 landed near About 45 minutes outside of Pittsburgh And so sometimes you just never know For what reason You didn't get into grad school At Pace And you ended up going to Pitt So 2011 Or um, I'm sorry 99 around that time All that stuff Happened And um, so my dad died In 1999 And um, you know He died no debt he died no car note. He died none of the above, you know, um, had a life insurance policy, and, you know, that's that's what it was. When I got married, my um, so my dad passed, well, 1999, 2001, September 11th happened. But here's a fun fact. I went off to college in 1993, and that year, was the year, um, it's not months before where they blew up. They did the test run for September eleventh, the terrorists did. And um they blew up the parking lot across from um the Century Twenty One. And I remember my mom saying to me, Do you still want to go to college here? And I'm like, Yeah, it's New York City, of course I wanna go. I would have lived my whole life in New York City, no fear. Okay. So I lived through my father passing, you know, in nineteen ninety nine I lived through my parents divorcing, um, watching economic systems change. I lived through my mother being remarried um, two times after um, my father passed. Well, once before and then once after he passed. And then, um, let's see, we had September 11th. I lived in Tampa at the time of the financial crisis. Um, I started work. My son was born in 2004. I was married in 2003, my son was born in 2004, um, financial crisis hit, hit us really hard, I mean it started in 2005, but didn't really hit my company really, really bad until 2008 because I used to be a broker, not a real estate agent, but a mortgage broker, so I was the broad that you call to get the money for your house, Atlanta was getting hit really bad, some of our clients ended up in federal penitentiary for white collar crime. so I literally was in a situation where I came to work every day, you know, I watched people not getting paid, I watched. So this at this point, you know, so I I don't want people to mistake me for thinking that, like, I don't care, I'm just trying to give you the basis as to why fear was never in the cards for me, especially financially, because I've been watching the rug being pulled from people since the 1980s. This is literally like my fifth financial crisis that I can remember impacted my family directly. So after the September 11th attacks, let's go back to that, 2001, I was a manager at Hooters in Pittsburgh down in Station Square, only black female, um, and still, you know, was picking up in days when, you know, people didn't come in. My money never changed. Um, I consistently had two jobs, from the time I was 14 and up, because I always felt like if, even when I worked at the hospital, like, it it didn't matter. When I was working at Tampa Bay Academy, when I was a counselor for kids, like, it didn't matter. I constantly kept some type of hospitality job because I knew that even in times of recession, if people didn't have much, they would still want some type of, you know, feeling that they were out and being catered to or whatever. So I always kept a job where I got to go you know, be cute, smile, say hello, and make somebody else's day. But then I always had my job where I really got my money at. It's been since I'm 14 years old. So we get to uh, my job closing down. Let's not forget the part where I get divorced in 2007. So I was married in 2003. I got divorced in 2007. That is a financial crisis You know what I'm saying So it's it's a financial crisis with a baby So now I'm an involuntary single mom This is not what I signed up for And my coins have to go to make sure that my kid is okay Because his father is going to push me every step of the way To make sure, you know Because he doesn't want the divorce, you know um, I wasn't the problem, you know We're cool now But, um, so that was a financial crisis So we had the 80s we had, you know, 93, the crisis that happened the year I went to college. We had, you know, my parents' divorce that happened subsequently after the 80s. And we had, you know, September 11th, which, you know, was 2001, my dad passing in 99. Uh, let's see, 2007, I get divorced, the financial crisis, the housing market crash started in 2005, affecting some places. Really got to me in 2008, I believe it was. Um, Thank God I was working at this, like, Mexican restaurant that I loved. I, I actually don't talk about it in this book, but I talk about it in the book that's getting ready to come out, Black Girls Book of Shadows. Um, it might be due out before August now, y'all, because, you know, Auntie has time to write it. So I'm used to living well below my means because that's what I saw my parents do. Both my parents own their homes outright cash. They may not be much. They might be in the hood. They might be whatever, but they owned them. They own their cars. You know, they were not the type of people that every, you know, two years went and got a new lease on a car or whatever. They couldn't pay for it cash and didn't want it. I definitely see that little Duval, if you guys are not following him, follow little Duval, L-I-L-D-U-V-A-L. He's been preaching this to y'all because he's probably around the same age bracket I am. He's seen a lot of things as of I. So I decided when I had a son that I'd rather be a little bit uncomfortable, sacrifice just a little bit of time, to, and a lot of money To make sure that we have businesses That were black owned Mother and son owned um, I own 716cbd.com That's the company that actually Took off the quickest uh, And um, we're still making sure we're, you know, providing services for people. I was doing delivery. These are things my son inherits. Zero Fux Nation, Zero F-U-X Nation, it's still a thing. Just because I don't post on it, you don't know what I'm doing outside and selling to the kids in Mammoth Mountain, California, that are still, you know, know, uh, snowboarding, things like that. But these are luxury, frivolous items. So a lot of the companies that you see that are getting their items from China, the lashes, the hair, things like that, oh, it's about to be a wrap. Because our president runs off at the mouth too much I'm not a politician, I am in politics Y'all also know that I'm a human rights um, commissioner Here in New York State Which means that I'm the person that shows up to court with people You know, so they're not bullied Or so that they they are very aware of their rights And what the law means And what the law has stated The law is very black and white There's no room for emotions in law That's why I love it Um, My mother actually should have been an attorney She really should have Because she was my first attorney before I ever paid one um, so you guys a lot of you that know me personally or that work with me or whatever have not seen me um worrying. It's not because, you know, I just you know, I have a million dollars somewhere or anything like that. It's just because this has happened to me before. So one of the reasons that I don't make major or large purchases and I don't like paying for things, uh, probably more than ten dollars <laughs> is because I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall off. Right? Not I'm waiting for it, like an anxiety-ridden wait, but just like something about to happen. We've been doing too good for too long. And I'm not a saboteur, like not in relationships or anything like that, but I don't subscribe to the notion that I should be fearful of anything. Anything I want to do, anything I want to buy, I go and I do it. Anything my son wants or needs, he gets it. My son does not know no. And it's not that he's spoiled. My son has no knowledge of no. I remember thinking that a Ford... Was a bad word when I was a kid Because I remember when my mom I, I would ask my mom for things and, and she would say well I can't afford that mm. Your father and I can't afford that And I remember the look on her face The look on his face Not realizing like They were hurt to have to tell me that mm. When I was little there was three of us I was the only girl So that's why Christmases were so important because my, you know my parents really made sure that we really had. So, and you're talking about the fact that my parents didn't even have any habits. I mean, they smoked cigarettes. My 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 dad smoked like a corn pipe, but other than that, they didn't really have any habits when we grew up. There was no real drinking, you know. So it's like. When I see people right now, and I'm deducing what you could save money on right now, you don't need to buy a carton of cigarettes that's $20 a week. You don't need to get your nails done. That's what, like, shoot, what, like $40 a week now? Shit, my pedicure is $40. I don't get my feet done. I'm a runner. So if I can't do it and shave off all the fettuccine on the bottoms of them, I mean, I, I'm not going to ask Lee to do it. I go get them done probably about twice a year just to go in, you know, feel cute. But honestly, quite frankly, I don't have the time. I wish I had the time, like, to be in the salon, but I don't. I only get my hair done, y'all see that online, at tops three times a year. And that's just to get the cut, the color. You know, other than that, I maintain everything on my own. I don't do a lot of beauty services. I don't spend a lot. And it's not just because I'm, you know, just so drop-dead gorgeous. That's not what it's about. It's just that I didn't grow up seeing my mama doing that. I didn't grow up seeing her mama doing that. I didn't grow up seeing... Anybody in my family staying up in the salon more than they was at home, or spending more time in the salon than they do on their kids' homework? I never seen that. Um, Y'all always talk about, you know, the men that I deal with. Y'all always talk about like, oh, you always getting that got money, or you always dating dudes that got money. No, no, I think dudes that got money only date me, because at the end of the day, you know, my father was a was a was a blue collar worker, right? Drove a pickup truck. You know, nice-looking, tall, thin. You know, my daddy was nice-looking. You know, my stepfather, I watched him go to work every day. You know, even my other stepfather, my mom been married four times. That's how bad she was. She was. She was bad as hell. Some of y'all can't get married while my mom been married four times. And even my, my other stepfather, you know, they went to work. So I never seen a man that just, like, laid up and ate a baby's fruit snacks and drank the Capri Suns. I never seen that. I never seen... Amanda man I didn't know how to change a tire, like, you know, even my brothers, like, they, you know, I, sometimes I forget that I have them. They, they're the muscle, but, like, sometimes I forget, like, oh, I don't have to hang this picture, you know. And, and truth be told, another fun fact, a lot of y'all don't know, my sister's a mechanic. You know, that's what she went to school for. That's what my parents and I, we, we put her through school for her. My sister didn't work when she was in college. She didn't have to. That, to me, is wealth. Wealth is not, you know what I'm saying? I know more people, and mm. definitely, uh, a, a, Rest in peace to um, Joe Dirt He was the husband Of one of my gym buddies Jenny Um, He passed away They had a lucrative business Down there in Florida They lived off their land They had a a ranch style home Their daughter um, Loved them to death That was one of the couples That we hung with When I was down there in Florida He passed away a couple weeks ago Had some heart condition But um, I know that Jenny's going to be fine You know So because they, they built everything, they amassed their wealth off their land So once you've been traveling a little bit You'll start to see how other people amass their wealth And how they live off their land So y'all know that last year I was talking about Over this last year I was talking about meeting Leah Pennyman And things like that She's doing some some podcasts And you know giving people information about growing And a lot of y'all that know me are like Oh my god, you're so sadity, you couldn't be a farmer Listen, it doesn't matter what you think I could be, I'm always going to feed my family. And so when I talk about men, you know, I can't use fear as a frequency when I grew up around men that just really made shit happen. Like even even the person that I'm seeing right now, right, he reminds me a lot of my dad actually now that I think about it, even the way that he's built, like everything, just the way he dresses, everything, like, He really just every day, are you good, are you okay, do you need anything, how you feeling, like everything is good. I know that if I needed something, like, hey, can you do this, if I I really needed him to come and do something for me, he would do it. If I needed some money 100%, he would do it. You know, and that's that's really all you need. So I I was watching the Madam C.J. Walker story. I was livid. I was livid. I was through the roof because, you know, she had a man, nice-looking man, and she was just barely bald-headed. She was just bald-headed five minutes ago, and he was taking care of her, taking care of her daughter, not on some trick-type stuff, but just like here, you know, you, you good. You ain't got to, you know, wash all that laundry. You know, you can, you can make your products. Because a lot of people underestimate the fact that these labels, these, these containers, these ingredients, all these things cost money. So I'm sitting down thinking I'm getting ready to watch a show, and basically what he did was made sure that she didn't fear anything. So she was allowed to function without fear within her business, Madam C.J. Walker, because of the fact that you had a man that you knew that if you messed up the money, a couple dollars, he's okay with that. You made a product, just sell it. You did what you said you was going to do with the money, it's fine, just sell it. So my partner and I are kind of similar, but what I wouldn't do to my partner is I would not, he's a silent partner, so he doesn't want any spotlight. Um, I think that Blair Underwood's character in the Madam C.J. Walker story self-made on Netflix, I don't, I want you to watch it and don't pay attention to the colorism, just pay attention to subtle things, so I grew up with wives, my mother was, my grandma, I just, I, I don't know anybody that wasn't a wife really in my family, and so that's how I was raised, and, um, the way that she treated him in certain situations where it should have been a man handling it. It's funny because I had literally just told my partner, like, I need you to be the person that says no in certain situations because they'll come at me because they know I'm the owner of the face of it. I'm getting ready to put my face probably on my Instagram at 716CBD just for the sheer notion of it's it's time, you know, because I like to be behind my brand for a little bit, watch it bubble quietly. And then if it comes out, maybe I won't, but, um, You know, you need men in certain situations, especially when you're dealing with another man, because you're not going to swindle me out of nothing. And then some men, as soon as you get in the room to sit there to talk to them, I'm not talking room, I'm talking like boardroom, or you're sitting down talking to them, they still think you're a freaking joke. That really in 2020 is still happening right now. Um, When I was in Vegas, I was supposed to have a meeting with the owner of of the second largest uh, cannabis operation in the state of Nevada. The meeting never happened. I mean, I saw what he was doing, but the meeting never happened, and I'm okay with that, okay? I'm not a cannabis grower. That's not what I do. It's on the horizon, but that's not what I do. I don't even smoke. So there are certain things that you're supposed to be utilizing your men for, your man, your man, your partner, whatever for. And I think that Madam C.J. Walker did a disservice to the man that helped her when she was still making stuff in her kitchen. So I'm, you know, for always telling my partner, like, I'm forever thankful, like, every single day because... Without his contribution, twice, that's the only investor I have. I'm not taking investors, whatever. Um, Without his contribution, you know, I would have been out the money that I already invested into my products. And it's funny because he doesn't even ask for anything. It's not like he's coming to me like, give me 80 bottles of elderberry tincture. He could, you know what I mean, and be like, you know, because you have a lot of people that want to be the face. He doesn't want to be all that. He just want to get his money. You know, he's like, okay, I know if I get his girl some money, she's going she gonna to make it work and she's going to invest and in do the right thing and then I'm going to get my money back. You know, so we have bigger things that we need to think about right now. But him, neither neither him nor I, because we have similar lifestyles, he's the same way. He don't have no car payments. He don't have no, no mortgages, no rents, no nothing. Um, he has a soft heart. He uh, <laughs> he does his business practices a little bit differently than I would because if people owe me the type of money that some people owe him, hmm, They would be homeless, (laughs) house just burnt down. I I don't know. So we talk about using fear as a frequency. Everything that you manifest at some point, so, so you have to look at the universe, and this is a good tool, and I've told you all about this before. If I put in the universe, and Dick Gregory said it best, if I put in the universe, I would love to go to Paris. The universe says, okay, now we have to do what we need to do to conspire to get this girl to Paris. But if I say I want to go to Paris, but now you have a break, right? I want to go to Paris, but I can't financially afford it right now. The universe is confused, right? The spirit is confused. Whatever God you pray to is confused now. So when you're putting things out there like this coronavirus is going to kill us all, this coronavirus is going to have us doing this, and this coronavirus is going to do that, I don't even speak its name. It's a sickness. But I think that the issue that I have the most with this virus is that we've known for 30 years that HIV was a virus and we still have unprotected sex with people that are not trustworthy, um, that we are not tethered to or that we don't love or that we don't care about. Um, we still smoke cigarettes, even though it says right on the box, hey, this could kill you. It's um, going to get cancer. It could kill you right here. It says it right there. A surgeon General told you that. Um, we've known that for 30 years. We still... You know, do a lot of things that put our body at risk You know, no one is talking about the fact I mean, aside from Russell Simmons, which his opinion is really null and void right now Because he ran away to Bali So he didn't have to face extradition because of some sex crimes that he may or may not have done I told you all before, Russell Simmons is not a rapist Russell Simmons may have been inappropriate, but he's definitely not a rapist Like, held you down, put his dick in you Nah, that's, that's, that's not how he does I've been around him back when I was in school You know, my uncle, you know, knew a lot of them that they're not the rapey types. They they could have had any woman that they please. Now they may have talked to you crazy and told you you was fat and you know how to lose weight or whatever it is that he needed to do. But he was on some other shit anyway when he was on drugs and still eating meat. But the only other person that has the only person that has come out about the fact that a lot of the coronavirus is indicated in meat, chicken specifically, and this kills me because really I don't I don't eat. Pork, and I don't eat red meat that much but And it's even been found in red meat In the sense of people are not Cleaning the utensils So I mean shout out to the Jews And the kosher butchers that are making sure that You know meat is bled a certain way It's cut a certain way It's only like there's a lot of And it's funny because I joked that the house That I purchased here I was going to have a kosher kitchen Because a lot of Muslim and a lot of um, Jewish faith believe in Keeping meat, cheese and dairy Separate from everything else And it's crazy because I bet you they all Sitting in their um, two sink kitchens like See Then we tell you So we've known About these type of viruses For a long time so Why is it that we're fearful now And we knew that we elected this particular Person in office that pops off So forget anything political That he did look at how he speaks to people If I was in China And you spoke to me like that And you, and this is, I listened to a very popular financial analyst in England, a black man who said that this was China's gift to us because our president went over there, was disrespectful, forced him into signing something he did not want to do. And guess who's buying up all the stocks over here? And these aren't conspiracy theories. This is how it works. Right now, you're going to be able to get a car for 99 cents. In the next 365 days, you're going to get a car for 99 cents. The interest rates are going to go up a little bit, then they're going to go down. Because you know why? Nobody can qualify to buy a house if they get laid off for an extended period of time. You need to have two years, same job work history. Um, I think that now that this has happened, I don't feel restored, but I feel vindicated. I feel like, okay, we knew this was coming. Okay, so we're prepared. Y'all are out buying up all the meat that could possibly be infected. We just had one case here in Niagara County that was at Sam's Club. Why would I go to Sam's Club and there's going to be more than 50 people there? Why would I do that? I wouldn't do that. I would go to the hood tops. And I also made a uh, reference about something last week that was very disheartening for me was that when I went to the tops that's in the hood, we had water. We had pretty much everything. We didn't have hand sanitizer, which is alarming to me because there was still soap. Y'all understand that hand sanitizer after a while becomes a repellent, okay? You can really just wash your hands. It's fine. Wash your hands, your ass, your mouth, all of it. So I thought about it, and I said, you know what? One of the reasons that I wanted to buy a farm and then, you know, thought about it and then slept on it was because, there's a lot of places in Niagara County that are food deserts, which means that you can't go anywhere and get fresh fruit, vegetables, livestock, nothing in this county. And a lot of the store, a lot of people don't have cars, right? So the Hood Tops, which is our supermarket, kind of like Publix, Albertsons, you know, Ralph's out in Cali, um, they don't, They had everything, and that lets you know that the socioeconomic status of the people in this neighborhood are such that they can really only buy groceries on the first of the month, and that disheartens me. That makes me so sad that everybody went and got what they needed. You know, it's just just a wake-up call for everyone. Everyone assumes that they're still going to get benefits and assistance and things like that. No, this is why the C.J. Walker – Netflix series upset me because you tried to put another black woman out of business who you actually stole the formula from in the first place. And back in 1910 and 1900, like we were what, like 34 years out of slavery? Why would you do that? So C.J. Walker could kiss my ass. I don't, you know, I understand that she was one of the, you know, or was the first black millionaire logged in the Guinness Book of World Records, but Addie Monroe, the person that they were claiming played her, her name was Annie Poro or something like that, Malone, Um, She was actually also a millionaire as well. She's also in the Smithsonian and so on and so forth. So we just have to tell the story, right? Um, I am in a place where I've been trying to tell people that it's time that we, you know, buying up your block wasn't just so that you could have equity. Buying up your block was so that you would be able to have money to sustain because people are going to always need a place to live. Buying up land is so that you're able to say, okay, I can't buy any food, but am I going to starve to death? No, I might have to be an involuntary vegetarian for a while, but we're not going to starve to death. If this president makes a second election, okay, I don't see it happening, but it might just be because it's everything. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. The numbers may not be there to elect somebody else. Y'all know that there's no way that everybody's going to have all this health care. They're thinking about bringing back Obamacare, okay, which costed, you know, a lot of people don't know this. It costed a lot of people a lot of money sometimes. You know, um, but fear has a frequency. If I sat around every day and was worried, guess what I do? I transmit that frequency to my child, who, by the way, for New York State is doing videos and uploading through his um, employer, who is the same employer I had at his age um, with New York State, about the coronavirus and how to be safe and how to wash your hands and how to use sanitizer and what to do. And, you know, they're worried about regions. I don't need my son having fear. I need him just to be healthy. Y'all do understand that fear, as a frequency, breaks down your immune system. It does. If I sat here, how you know what, that's where ulcers come from. So I got my old man slash my partner that I know that if I needed $28, he would give it to me, but I would give it to him too. Like if, if, if he was like, yo, you know, something's going on. Can, can you bring me 10 bottles of this so I can distribute to my family because I think somebody has it and we don't have the, the medical, you know, to go to. High. Absolutely. That's, it's part of your brand. But he wouldn't ask me to do nothing like that, just like I wouldn't ask him for $28 because really, I'm, I'm okay. And I think that that's more beautiful than us being out here worrying about, you know, am I going to have a job? Am I going to do this? What did you do to sustain? So everybody talked all this trash about Trump. What did you do to sustain knowing that he was going to do something like this? This man literally is calling the virus the Chinese virus, and they in Korea have the power to just shut our whole country down right now, which is what they did financially. And you all have to also understand that what are you going to do when you come out of this? Look at the corporations and the companies that are sustaining right now, cable companies, nursing. You know, shout out to my niece, Britt Brad. She's out on the West Coast. She's on the front lines of this you know, working 16-hour days, putting herself at risk. And, you know, not for nothing, you know, the CNAs, and there was a funny meme that was out uh, the other day, and it was like, yeah, yeah, I used to clown the CNA and the drug dealer saying it wasn't a power couple. Well, look at us now because, you know, cannabis is still going to need to be sold. You know, cannabis is now considered essential. My company, 716CBD.com, is considered essential, so I'm allowed to be in the streets. People are going to always want to feel better. Nobody is going to want to sit here and listen to a negative Nancy. I can't. I don't even watch the news anymore because I don't want to know about the corona. I want to know how people are going to be healthy and how people are going to sustain after this is all over. So those are the things that I think that we as Americans and we all over the world should be thinking about. I am super stoked that um, I'm super stoked about what D. Nice did uh, the other day, where um, he had, what was it, over 100,000 people on a nine-hour house party just raising the vibration. So remember we talked about music being a vibration. Be careful what you're ingesting. Be careful what you're listening to. Fear is also a vibration, and faith is a currency. If you have faith that you're going to get your job back, that's worth more than gold because you really have just released that into the universe. And so if you don't get that job, you're going to get another job. Now is not the time to be living in fear. The worst of it is coming, and if it's not coming, it's on the way, and if it's not on the way, it's already here. Now we have to figure out how as humans, how we as gods, how we as kings and queens are going to rebuild from this. And so if you're going to use fear as a frequency, you really don't believe in whatever God it is that you say you believe in because that's where faith comes in. Right, And faith is a currency Faith can pay the way To so many other things If you're now thinking with a clear head I don't know about you, I can't think when I'm scared And the only thing that scares me Is not being able to feed my kid So for the last... 20 years and my son isn't even 16 yet, I've made sure that I was able to feed myself and feed my family. So this is a wake-up call for maybe some people, you know, and that's amazing if you never had to be the matriarch or the patriarch or have to look out for other people. But now is the time to be looking out for the elderly, to be looking out for the people that are going to be unemployed, and to be making sure that you sustain through all of this. So I'm hoping that you guys like the show. Hopefully we'll be up on iTunes. We're waiting on them. It's been almost three weeks. That's the maximum time that it takes them to get back to you. We're going to be on Spotify as well, and then we're doing a XM. But this is a sound that I absolutely loved from the Queen and Slim soundtrack that made me cry, very much so on the plane back from L.A., and I hope you guys have a blessed Sunday.